0: Welcome to Book Rising, a podcast by the Radical Books Collective. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Bhakti Sringar Pure, and I am the co-founder and the creative director of the Radical Books Collective. And I had the pleasure of chatting with my friend and the dynamic founder of Brittle Paper, Ainehi Idoro. And we talked about the Booker Prize. Uh, its power, its prestige, its significance, the ways in which it shapes the literary canon. And then we talked quite in detail about the six nominated books. Uh, This event took place on Instagram Live. Uh, But here is uh, the audio recording. Thank you. So Ainehi, I think uh, this, is, uh, this is unique for us, even though you and I have both done all kinds of conferences and events and things like that together. Uh, but in a way, we are trying to uh, perform a chat a discussion. <laughs> and, and just like the booker likes to keep the suspense, uh, we have kept our own opinions <laughs> on this suspenseful so mm-hmm. i'm going to be surprised at every turn at everything you say okay. uh, and uh, i thought uh, it's now past one so i thought i could yes. start with a few kind of fun facts about the booker and then you tell me what you think is interesting about the award and then we just kind of can build from there
1: okay good just a quick shout out to leila buleila hi love
0: here? yes she's she's
1: right there okay go on yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, well, first, also a quick shout out to uh, Boba Karbaris Diop, who won the Neustad International Prize. Oh, yes. Yes, okay. yes. yes, yes, uh, yes. And he, uh, you know, as you know, I've translated one of his novels and many of his essays and things like that. So it feels wonderful. Uh, and uh, I think it's just been a great year for African literature. You have David been. David Diop, who won the... Uh, yeah, booker for the inter for the translation. Right. We have Abdul Razak Gurna. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh now we have uh Boris Diop Up and then if Nadifa wins, or I guess Damon Gal- Or Galgot
1: wins. <laughs> you know, it's like the it's going to be this explosive year for African literature. So Booker Prize judges, you're listening, you know? Yeah.
0: Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the Booker Prize is 52 years old. It's like at a very good established middle age. Yeah. It's still only half, half, half as old as the Nobel uh but it's uh, super different of course from uh other prizes and i think uh it's uh it you know whatever i've read about it it seems that it's not only committed to kind of excellence literary excellence uh mm-hmm. but is also um right from the beginning invested in selling more books right. uh right. and so that's why you have these kind of Uh, you know first they announce the jury in fact they sometimes announce the jury like a year in advance Mm -hmm. Uh, then you have the long list then you have the short list Uh, you have tons of press it's also the prize that people bet on the most I've never Mm -hmm. betted on a prize but this is something that's out there it's happening (laughs) and um, and also uh, they do a lot of like uh Uh, get their authors written about a lot and then they do like uh, run up videos, you know, little montages, readings, Mm -hmm. the ceremony itself is very much hyped and things like that. So, I think that's one super interesting uh, thing about the booker and unique thing. And then the second thing I would say that's interesting about the booker that no other prize uh, really does is that it's constantly in a state of renewal and mutation. Right. You know, like you had the translation prize that started, you have the booker of bookers, Salman Rushdie got it. Uh, You had the International Booker, which you know Achebe got. Uh, You have the Golden Man Booker, you know, which is like the 10 year, I don't know, they have constantly all these things. And because they keep renewing themselves, uh, they also end up with these scandals, which I think are delicious and tasty and fun and exciting uh but uh the two scandals of note of course is that in 1991 the orange prize for fiction or now called the women's prize for fiction were so ticked off at the booker that they started because they refused to let any women win so they started the women's prize uh in fiction and then uh 2013 was the big scandal because they allowed american uh uh, to to come in yeah, to come in and it was very controversial because uh it was a very uk prize i would say it's a very post-colonial like empire prize we can talk about that later so anyway i think i think that was interesting and i think people said oh you know now with the us it's going to be all american and us heavy it hasn't been like that uh it'll be uh it, you know and instead of focusing on international writers and commonwealth countries, anglophone commonwealth countries, uh, it'll, all the Americans will just sweep it. Uh, but I think the truth is uh, that it just strengthened like New York publishing and right. publishing. Yeah. Right,
1: right, right. Yeah. It just, it actually made the book a much more powerful because now it has yeah. this global riches of yeah. like the two publishing headquarters of the world, right? The U.S., and the UK Um, and also I mean it's important to also think about the ways in which the booker itself is a right is is driven by market forces and you already mentioned that earlier but that the that it is a prize that is for the industry for the market by the Mm -hmm. industry by the market right Mm -hmm. Um, in the sense that it is different from prizes like the nobel right which is kind of writer focused writer-centric or the windham-campbell prize right which is very writer-centric writer focused the booker prize is the industry sort of creating this engine to drive book sales on the, on facebook the other day um what's her name bernardine Everisto shared a plaque right where um she had sold 1 million copies of her book Right? Do the wow. math right on how much one book costs, how much it means to sell a million copies, and this is after she won the booker, right? Mm-hmm. And that yeah. is just in the UK market by itself, right? So this is a price that gets money into the pockets of writers, publishers, booksellers, everybody in the industry. Um, and in a sense, you know, that of course separates it from these other prices, but it tells us that. We are dealing with a machinery that the fifty thousand dollars that the author goes back home with is just like a tiny little iceberg of this massive industry that is this massive prize that is designed to move units of books in the millions millions millions
0: yeah 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 i mean that's that's a really important point and that's the reason we want of course certain writers to get it you know right because we we want that uh, place uh, for those writers. We want that, uh, you know, we want that avenue open for them. We want books to sell. Uh, but it's also, I guess it always also comes down to uh, are the books that Booker, you know, holds up, have they historically been diverse? Have they historically been uh, challenging some standards of uh, literary anglophone writing, you know? uh those are questions too i guess i don't know what do you think
1: i mean i i I think that the prize definitely has literary credibility right it does
0: it does even
1: though it it it, it plays to a kind of popular sentiment you know like you mentioned it's performative showy you know kind of um demeanor right it wants to put it up a performance to people up for people, whether in terms of scandals or in terms of, you know, just putting on a show, right, from the moment the long list is announced to the very end that the winner is announced. So it's really this prize that straddles um, the literary world, the world of the average reader and the market and brings everybody together in a way that Mm -hmm. enlivens the industry economically, you know, Um, and... And that's so we have to ask, yes, there's literary credibility, but what, what, what drives that credibility? And for me, it's the money. You know? is
0: it? Yeah, I know. But, uh, I, you know, I think you said that it's, it's like the part of the books they want to sell have to be readable books. But it is, you know, they have to be readable, uh, they have to be accessible, but they do have a history also of rewarding experiment, right? Yes. I mean, how many people actually finished reading Midnight's Children? How many people finished reading Marlon James's History of Seven (laughs) Killings, okay? (laughs) Uh, We have to be real about this, Um, and I think, I think, I would say that they do have a a very particular approach they have towards the tree excellence. I think all the nominees, the six uh, that we will discuss in a a bit are all uh, count as high literature, you know, if you want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. I know that there are others that, you know, you can debate more, you know, Margaret Atwood, you know, does work within genre and things like that. But um, uh, I think they have some interest in being, uh, having literary excellence. And I think in the past, they've had scandals where they're like, is the Booker Prize dumbing itself down? And they don't Mm -hmm. like that. And and to me, that's kind of interesting, because I think, uh, as someone who, uh, you know, is teaching in an English department, or, uh, you know, has been forced into the kind of history of the English literature, uh, the Booker really imitates uh, those kind of dynamics of uh, stuffy kind of empire, Mm -hmm. empire concerns, you know, Uh, even though they seem more diverse, say, than the Nobel and so on, uh, it it appears that they actually, the record is not that great, you know. Um, I mean, of course, they always have the nominees. The nominees also benefit from the hype. It's not just the winner, uh, but their diversity record, you know, they have uh, Naipaul, they have uh, Kiran Desai, Arundhati Roy, Ishiguro, uh, Ben Okri, yeah, but uh, in general, it's not that many uh, at the end of the day, uh, but they do have this, uh, what Peter Carey, uh, the Australian writer says, there is some feeling of like the leftovers of empire you right. know, uh, coming through, and I thought that was actually pretty interesting, and I think the sort of standards we expect, uh, the kind of literature we teach uh, is determined by the Booker, uh, but Booker is determined also by those exact standards. There's some shifting, moving relationship between those things. Um, it's, yeah. it's
1: interesting that you put it in those terms. I like the the idea that there's a kind of symbiotic relationship between um, yeah. <clears throat> literature within the academic context and the Booker Prize. I, I mean partly maybe because both systems imagine themselves in this kind of glorious way, you know, that they are the arbiters of, of, yeah. um, of you know, of what counts as great, yeah. amazing fiction. Um, but, but it's also important to, 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 to return to the money, right? Because I remember reading, what's this novel, Bridget Jones' Diary. One interesting fact about Bridget Jones is that after Ben Okri won the booker, she bought Ben um, The Famished Road, but Bridget Jones could never finish it. And it was part of one of a source of, of anxiety for her, in addition to her weight and everything. She'd be like, you know, today must read The Famished Road.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: she just could never read the book. She could never finish it. Which, I mean, speaks to your comment that, look, there are times when these choices are experimental and they're weird. Right? But that didn't prevent Bridget Jones from buying it. She bought a copy, like all the millions of people who will buy copies just because the booker says you should buy it, right? So it's this kind of interesting mix between, yes, I'm the arbiter of what is great and amazing, and and cool in literary fiction. But the magical effects of the moment I say that it's this book, there's a whole market effect that comes from that so that yeah. i mean does it really um i mean what's the real impact of the fact that they sometimes choose experimental books right when the point of it is that it should kind of energize the industry
0: i don't yeah, know yeah. you know to uh compound that point to to Push it even further. Uh, apparently, last year W. H. Smith, which is a bookseller chain in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, uh, was, was somehow part of the award, or they sponsored it, or something. And then the debates were: uh, Is is readability going to be uh, privileged for nice. so one? You know. So this is the year to weigh in, I guess, even more so uh, on 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 readability. I think last year's list was fairly, fairly dense. You know. Uh mm-hmm. Maza's Maza Mengis is writing pretty yeah. dense. Uh Sitsi Dangaremba, not for the lightweights, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh Shugi Bane, also not for the lightweights. Also writing. not for the light but yeah. but also s-
1: sweet and devastating in certain kinds of ways. And and so maybe that that's actually could be one of the things that we come to when we are assessing the books for this year, you know, like who is likely to win how readable how experimental are these books um you know
0: yeah yeah uh should we talk about the jury because i think uh i just i'm just always i just am so surprised at the jury every year it's what surprises
1: to you about this year's jury
0: you know like uh look they've all written okay they all have some writing experience but there's a pretty famous actress the woman from uh californication who plays uh the partner of david Duchovny.
1: what's her name actually um do you have your your notes there can you can you tell us who the judges are I know oh, uh, people
0: I may not uh, I may not have have it but I have my computer here so okay. it's basically the chair is Maya Jasnowf who's the academic at Harvard and she's a historian so mm-hmm. of course it makes us think oh like his, the historical novel uh, yeah. would be under scrutiny uh, there is an archbishop okay hey. <laughs> why not <laughs> uh, so then i'm thinking richard powers bewilderment and this kind of majestic relationship yes god-like relationship with nature uh then of course you have uh chigozi chigozi uh, obioma. obioma yeah who is
1: yeah. who is 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 an interesting um writer in terms of his relationship to style and language right he um yeah. i would i wouldn't call him a purist but but he sort of 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 inhabits this very um intentional relationship to language and style Mm -hmm. as being something that has to be precise and sculpted um what's a purist
0: what's a purist i'm seeing this word i don't know what how one is using this word no
1: just just I'm, i'm not saying that he's a purist in terms of language and style but that he has a certain type of elevated yeah. you know value for for um for style and and language as something that needs to be sculpted sure. and sure. and clean and perfectly done that kind yeah. of you know approach to writing as in his his writing I don't think of as messy and even in the way he talks about writing you know messiness is yeah. not what I will describe to him
0: right right okay i see exactly what you're saying uh horatia and i'm forgetting her last name uh is an editor writer for i think the financial times writes a lot about uh, literature uh and that might be it i think there's four or five of them uh that might be it i wanted to look at them more and then i ended up uh thinking more about the writers and less about the uh about the judges, judges. but yeah. i just I think the point, I think what is surprising to me about the way the jury is picked is the uh, diversity of age and professions. So they all are invested in reading and writing. They may have books that are published. So uh, Natasha McElhone, I think is her name, uh, I think she has a book about like loss because she lost her mm-hmm. uh, husband, uh, and and then ended up writing this very moving book, um, you know. Uh, so so everyone is writing and and reading, but uh, to me it comes back to the question of readability and literary excellence, and I don't think the two should be at odds with each other at all. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's like the idea is that this book this book should be available. To many professions many ages all these people should be able to access it right you see right 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 right, right because
1: it yeah it's, it's a book that should be legible to as many people as possible even as it holds on to its status as literary fiction right yeah. so how can you bring how can you pull those things together the Kane prize does that as well where you have a diverse body of judges who are coming from different disciplines different spaces Mm -hmm. and it's 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 a matter of what kind of magic can happen when you have Mm -hmm. these people who are who love books yet invested in books but in so in such different ways and so how can they agree on what counts as as literary but also um readable Mm -hmm. on some level as well
0: yeah yeah
1: book that should be legible to as many people as possible even as it holds on to its status as literary fiction right so how can you bring how can you pull those things together the Ken Mm -hmm. prize does that as well where you have a diverse body of judges who are coming from different disciplines different spaces Mm -hmm. and it's 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 a matter of what kind of magic can happen when you have Mm -hmm. these people who are who love books yet invested in books but in so in such different ways. And so how can they agree on what counts as as literary but also um readable mm-hmm. on some level as well? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think the I think the booker has come around to this because I was looking at their historically their judges and they used to be like lit professors. Emeritus yes. uh, whatever, you know, you know, like the people in the tweed, you know, in the UK making yeah. the making the decisions. Uh, and, uh, and, and some people like that I read as an undergrad in India, like David Daichies and yeah. people who write about literary criticism. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they have, uh, they are very invested in being hip. They have become very, right. hip and they, 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 be they hip. are, they are very invested in
1: being hip. And I know that they are also, they've also been strongly encouraged. Let me put it that way, strongly encouraged to revamp their social media visibility Mm -hmm. that's 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 huge for them brand wise social media has been like um this thing that they've really gone at aggressively of course the pandemic contributed to that in the sense that prizes had to scramble and figure out a way to perform Mm -hmm. you know what they do without being able to meet in person right? right so everyone had to to leverage social media in some way. But in addition to that, the Booker Prize has put a ton of money, a ton of expertise into making itself legible on social media and connecting with readers, especially Instagram, um, where all the really? book lovers are. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. And you can see it You know, from the ways that each, from the announcement of the judges to the winner, all through last year, you saw how they curated very, very um, mm-hmm. well-done content around yeah. the prize.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before we go to the uh, the actual books, um, I guess let's think what are our biggest issues with this particular prize. Uh, we accept its significance. I accept its extraordinary power. There is no doubt, right? Uh, but... What are some of the, what critique, I mean, what critique can we say? Even like the money you're saying is not necessarily critique, right? We want that book to sell.
1: Um, well, we want the, the industry to thrive. And that seems to be one of the ways in which it infuses some lifeblood into itself. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah, when we say that, maybe it doesn't sound like we're, ne- we're necessarily critiquing that. I mean, where would a critic come in? I would say that um, Bernardine has talked a lot about the diversity issues with the industry as a whole, which is kind of more powerfully exemplified in prices like that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to think that she is the first black woman, right, to get the prize, is egregious. Uh, I think so. She is yes she is. is right is egregious and i mean how, i don't know how the whole sharing the prize with atwood happened right i know I, I i can imagine it was a process of a very complex and torturous process in the decision room but even at that right mm-hmm. it was her sharing the prize with another author right yeah. so and and it's not as if that takes away from how winning it and the impact of that on her. But it just tells you that we had to wait that long says that there is something deeply wrong about the ways that the industry is failing to be diverse. So that aspect to me will be one yeah. way to think of, you know. Sure, um, sure. To I mean, I,
0: can, I think I would build on that to say that the interest, uh, the industry is uh deliberately resistant it's a, it's it's to me the publishing industry london and new york if you think of them as like anglophone whatever right centers of uh of like generating literary things um is uh, you know they they are the last bastion in a way of a kind of wasp white gentleman industry mm-hmm. you know yeah. so that's that's definitely that's for sure i think one of my biggest issues with the booker uh, is, of course, that they cannot engage uh, smaller presses, independent presses, or anybody on the global south. So they have these creds because of their uh, history. Uh, of Because of the history of British Empire, they have this credibility that they actually... Um, uh, they actually are diverse or that people from the global South are getting this award, uh, but they can't get it unless they are published in the UK. Right. Or right. And uh, this is, this is the crazy part. Like, so Sitsi Dungaremba's Nervous Conditions. Perfect. Booker of the bookers, I would call it, but uh, no way. Right. Cause it was published on the African yeah. continent. Uh, and so then the mournable body comes and gets surprised mm-hmm. because it's uh, it it has a uk uh, uk uh, push so i think that is one of the most uh, disconcerting things because then it gives a very wrong idea of like the extensive publishing networks and the amazing work coming out of the global south mm-hmm. you know whether it's whether it's south asia whether it's the african continent or wherever they're speaking english right um so i think that's that's one of the biggest uh, issues at the end of the at the end yeah back to you
1: absolutely right i mean think about um karen jennings book right yes it was published in south africa and then published in the uk if it were just the south african publisher i doubt that it would have been able to get into the um booker so what this means though is that of the tens of millions of dollars that Mm -hmm. will accrue to the winning book right yeah none of that is originating or coming from the global south yeah right yeah so we're just having this industry that 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 that, that, that is essentially designed to make money for publishers in the west so the that big um,
0: five as we say in the us or the big four right the yeah. yeah because
1: it's not just about book sales it's about translation rights and publication rights right so More imagine rights. an indie publisher in lagos has their book and the book along list just imagine how that electrifies energizes the local publishing industry but systemically all these spaces are cut off from that yes. flow of capital through books and you're right you know that yes. itself is 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 troubling in a kind of systemic way
0: yeah and i think it might be uh, controversial for me to say that because of course i have children who are exactly that identity but i don't think diversity is always diasporic diversity you know like it has to be international right 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 so right because because
1: even if if the diversity is diasporic right in terms of infrastructures of capital it's still in the west their scheme might be different right Mm -hmm. but 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 it's still benefiting publishers and booksellers in the west as opposed to kind of a, a much more interesting diversity where it shifts, you know, the yeah. vector of the way that money is flowing. If an African publisher actually gets into yeah. this mix, it, it, it has much more structural impact, you yeah, know? Yeah. Totally. Um,
0: Who are yeah. you, so uh, within the framework of the booker, uh, were there upsets? People you thought would be on the list and weren't? I'm trying to think if I had, I'm, I'm trying to think, um, I would say, uh, so what are your, should we talk about those? I say books? we
1: talk about the book because we have about, um, we have um some time. yeah, okay. no, yeah. We have about, we don't have that much time actually. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the book. I feel like that's the, that's the cocoa of this, of this conversation.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's go. Uh, who do you want to start with?
1: Um, I will say let's do. Let's start with the most um, sort of the strangest of all. The strangest. Uh, book. Why are you looking at me with that face? I know you what know book it is.
0: Which is, your, which is you think is the strangest? Oh no, this I, is I'm, strange. I'm guessing it's this one. Yes,
1: it's the strangest on all levels.
0: So this is Patricia Lockwood. No one is talking about this is the name of her book. This book.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, tell us what it's about and
0: tell us your
1: thoughts. I enjoyed
0: it. Okay. <laughs> Go on. Uh, I think, uh, so she's a poet apparently, and I've never read her or heard of her. Uh, but there were some moments in the beginning, which was sort of laughing out loud you know because mm-hmm. uh, she's talking about social media and talking about mm-hmm. viral tweets and she's writing in that form uh, and it's it, it goes very very fast mm-hmm. uh, on one level it challenges the reader because it's not a linear narrative on another reader another level it's just very easy uh, to keep going sometimes you're laughing sometimes you're shocked it's very much a post uh, trump trump era book uh, right upset about uh, what does she i think she calls him uh, the dictator or some uh, yes. something like that yes and and then it's really about uh, abortion and uh child you know having this child and her family and all this kind of stuff so it gets very serious suddenly mm-hmm. but she, but i like the humor i think we i divided the books into uh, uh humorless and humorful and I think even though hers is like tragic comic, and very intense sometimes, and very self-deprecating, uh, and it's it's like social media, you know, you feel a bit embarrassed. It, yes, you know, uh, it is social media. It was good.
1: It is social media in a sense. It's like reading. Imagine a cross between tweets and Facebook posts, right? Um, so there is no, there is no, the plot is not linear. And I will show you guys at home. You see, it's like <laughs> fragments, right? Yeah. The she said she book, wrote
0: it on the phone. She
1: said she wrote everything on a phone. Yes. That, that makes a lot of sense in the sense that it reads like you're reading. She's,
0: snarky she's like Come tweets. on. What did you say? She's, that can't be true that she wrote it all on the phone. Oh, I'm that's sorry. very
1: possible. There are people who, who can generate a ton of, um, content my students can like they can write anything on their phone right so it's this it's just it's this um, character who went viral on social media because she asked this question can a dog be twins and it went viral and so she became a kind of social media star and she would travel all over the world giving talks about
0: yeah
1: of just things that she writes comments questions um yeah. right um that she writes and that yeah. is 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 right that it can be exciting it can also just be exhausting let me just let me be, be honest um because you know it's like you're just going from one one fragment to another that is trying really hard to be epiphanic you know to have this 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 thing it's saying it's it's there is humor definitely and it was exhausting for me at the beginning because after you've read like 20 pages you're like okay all right i get it disjointed commentaries but then yeah. when i learned to read a little put it aside come back to it read a little put it aside actually it yeah. more you know yeah so I will I'm, say I'm just
0: gonna i'm gonna salvage it very quickly because on page twenty-three, there is this very, very funny one, and I laughed and laughed. And you know what my impulse was? Let me take no. a, a photo and to uh, send it out into the internet. Our mothers could not stop using horny emojis. Oh, they used the winking one with its tongue out on our birthdays. They sent us long rolls of the spurting three droplets when it rained. And then, and then she says, "Never send me the eggplant again, Mom. Yes. I don't <laughs> care what you're <laughs> cooking for." <dinner." laughs> Anyway, it's not always that, that, uh, that funny, of course, it, it can be very repetitive, and it's just very American in the end, and that's not that exciting, you know?
1: Yeah, um, but, but yeah, it, it's very experimental, and it's, it's inspired by social media as a form. So for people who are studying what social media does to the way we tell stories, or the way we shape ideas, what it means to think like social media, this book is pretty brilliant, that kind yeah. of um, formal translation of social media. Um, yeah. Let's do um, Shipstead. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> Shipstead's book, Maggie Shipstead's 980 book.
0: pages, people.
1: Go yes. <laughs> it is titled The Great Circle and it tells the story of two women, interconnected lives. One is set in the turn of the 20th century, and she's kind of modeled according to Amelia Earhart, right? Is that her name? The woman who uh, made the history.
0: Aviator, yes, as it,
1: yes. No, I don't think Maggie Graves is historical. No, no, no. It's a fictional. Right, yeah, yeah. So Maggie Graves is fictional, but she's sort of modeled according to that um, aviator, boundary pushing, glass ceiling breaking figure. And then the story goes between her story in the, tw- in the turn of the 20th century and the turn of the 21st century in 2014 when a Hollywood actress is in the middle of adapting Maggie Graves' story in a movie. So it's women's lives going back and forth. It's massive. It's the one yeah. book that I did not finish. I haven't finished it. But it also, it's no, also the either. book that... I read curled up in my reading chair with a blanket and just got lost in it. So, if you're thinking a kind of old school, immersive, gripping storytelling, you know, I, I think of um, Elena Caton's The Luminaries or Donatatat's Goldfinch, these like massive tomes, but are just mm-hmm. deliciously gripping and drama,
0: filled yeah, the drama.
1: I think this is the book. I love it. Totally.
0: I I, I I am uh, completely with you on that. It's completely gripping, uh, and even though I wouldn't say that it uh, it it's just kind of basic storytelling, like pop storytelling. I think it plays a lot with form within it. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yes, it, it, yes. Uh, and I think uh, I think it tries to do quite a lot with perspective and uh, characters, and also at the level of a sentence. I think it's formally right. uh, pr- it's quite intensely there. Uh, and I love the LA LA character. Who, I uh, did too. You know, yes, I like did. this Lost uh, tween who became a star <laughs> as a to, as a tween and then has now grown up to be this jaded young woman who finds life through uh, this by by being asked to play this movie. It also reminded me of my favorite movie of all time, uh, which is an adaptation called The French Lieutenant's Woman. Uh, and uh, the, it, the screenplay of the book uh, was adapted by uh, Harold Pinter, uh and Meryl Streep is in it, uh, and I think uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Um, and you know, in that you have this couple uh, having this affair on set, and they're actors, and they are re—they are uh, bringing into a- adapting uh, the novel. So it creates yeah. all these kind of cool layers. Anyway, it was very good, and I think she is a kind of. A- Non-binary type character or a masculine character—it's a new kind of way to think about the fifties. You know what these people were doing. I don't think it's new. I think we have a lot of that. Uh, but I think it's a nice, it's a nice, soft, sweet intervention. I can't find any big trouble uh, Yes, with it. yes, no, no, I
1: can't. I think it's 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 beautifully done,
0: yeah like, and we well that the executed. Booker, the Booker likes the page length, man. They do. They like do. The they fat do. ones. The fat ones. <laughs> okay. They do. The, the, James, Shugi bain I, i'm trying to think
1: elinor the luminary is 900 pages oh, that's right. or 700 or something crazy like that okay you pick the next book
0: uh i'm not picking it but i know you're into it <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, richard powers bewilderment uh, okay uh, at aine his campus set on aine's campus sort of <laughs> no it's not sort of it is set at the University of Wisconsin Madison.
1: It is set on my campus. Let me just make that clear.
0: Yes. Uh no I'm just talking about when they go off into the woods all the time. It's not all the
1: Right, they go into the Smoky Mountains, right? Um yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh a father and son and the child <laughs> who's neuroatypical And to me, the main redeeming feature of the novel is not, as everyone is saying, it's a climate change parable, climate change, climate change, great about all that. Uh, But I think it's a really sensitive disability novel. And I think those get ignored. And I think uh, The Portrait of the Child is lovely, wanting to combat uh, uh, the child's diagnosis uh, of Mm -hmm. ADHD, autism, this and that. And uh, the doctor's asking to medicate him and uh, the father uh, in resistance, I thought that was kind of, um, I thought that was, uh, I, I thought, I thought, I thought it was powerful and a powerful indictment also of the US uh, sort of uh, psychology machine. Right. Know, yeah. We have mental health machinery. I mean, it's great. We have it yeah but it's also kind of has its problems, right? Because they over prescribe and especially children. So I thought that was thing. Yeah. I think the writing is absolutely stellar. If not a bit, yes. I would say overwritten.
1: Okay, I have to tell you it, it feels too clean. I felt it was a kind of of work that has been put through a certain kind of editing machinery it's it's like it's just cut to perfection, you know, and it's also easy to read. it's delectable. it feels like dessert almost um, I think so. I felt like you know i I, I just like i powered through the pages. And also, it, it, it does this fascinating thing with storytelling, right? So the, the, the main character is an astrobiologist. And his research is that he runs simulations on, on finding possible planets. places in the galaxy where there are planets that show signs of life, right? But at night, he would tell his son stories about um, planets that they make up, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's just fasci- um, fascinating to get into this story telling modes about galactical spaces you know so, so that that gives it a certain type of um, speculative fiction feel I thought yeah. and I like what he does with scale where you know it, it goes between his world with his sun and then galaxies and billions of stars and things like that my only issue with the book is that it just it felt very familiar in a certain kind of American literary tradition of white men who go off into the woods when the world is falling apart. So that even though, as you mentioned, it's about climate change, it's, is it's it? still about like him and his world and his like his his hung hang ups, his issue right you just felt the see climate change and like the trumpian dystopia is something in the background but you know he can go off into the smoky mountains or you know at the very end he could kind of fold up into his own self i don't know that's that's felt a bit yeah different. i think what you're
0: what you're getting at is is that these books uh, are angry liberals, angry white American liberals. Patricia Lockwood is like that, and certainly Richard Powers. Uh, They're very angry about Trump and this, that, and the other. But it is, I don't think, like, they don't have, uh, like, political weight in their works for some reason,
1: which I see
0: which I want. You know, Uh, at the end of the day, uh, those themes uh, are always uh, individualism. They're not about the system. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, it's about so That's very American. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so at the end of the day, that individualism is very applauded in, in the United States. I mean, this is the country of like a trillion memoirs coming out day in, day out. I mean, you think about the Iowa uh, MFA, Writers' mm-hmm. Workshop and all those kinds of things. There is, there is this kind of uh, self-satisfied uh individualist uh, focus in 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 the writing that's uh constantly applauded the coming of age and things like yeah. that as opposed to the grand political novels uh, justice and uh, right. you know systemic uh, brutalities or something like that uh so yes so they succeed uh, but uh, but yeah it, there's something very american about them i agree
1: about that way of thinking about big systemic questions yeah. like global warming and um, yeah and I would like level.
0: to yeah I would like to rescue Maggie Shipstead though from that I do think that she's doing more somehow I don't know why that is her, of course her, her I know why that is it's feminism,
1: feminism. it's yeah. feminism yeah is that she's it's coming from a tradition that that knows how to kind of you know of root the personal into the political in ways that feels hefty right as opposed to um to to making reducing large questions about how the world works yeah few ideals of you know my own um interior yeah. state or things like that yeah
0: yeah yeah no absolutely it's uh, very much so uh and uh, here are the foreigners the foreigners
1: yes yes <laughs> the oh, others
0: oh i mean well. Wow, we just we went through the americans Yes, so the All Americans right. are out of the way now, and I hope okay. they will be out of, the, out of our way. At, at, okay, now we can talk front. about these folks. Okay, Which one do you want to start with? Uh, I did not finish uh, the Sri Lankan uh, novel, uh, even though I would say that Sri Lankan writing is one in, in English is one of my more favorite things, and it was something that for a while I was mm-hmm. thinking like, you know, should I only focus on Sri Lankan uh, writing? Uh, yes. I think it's heavy and plodding. Uh, I think it's... Uh, plodding? Yeah, I think it doesn't move. It, it's, right. it's very like, it's a hammer, you know? He's hammering, mm-hmm. you know, the existential question of loss and war and 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 political and trauma. History and, and
1: violence. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, and this is in the uh, humorless category to me uh yes
1: you know. yes it is it is in a sense although there's a kind of absurd d- d- detail Existential about
0: it. absurdity
1: right I, I would say it's more it's leaning more towards the absurd right because what happens he yeah. gets this call random call from the sister of the woman who takes care of his wife mm. and the woman had died she fell into a well and so he's he's thinking i mean did she jump into the well did somebody push her into the well did she accidentally fall into the well but then that sort of ignites or or sends him on this journey from Colombo to the north where there had just been um a civil war and I think his first novel is actually about the civil war itself and then this is about the aftermath of that war Um, I like the way the book starts. I am a sucker for the openings of novel. I think it's a beautiful ritual, how a novel kind of opens itself to you. Yes. And I never read blogs before I read novels. Um, and this yeah. is, is very strange when you enter into the book, he has this beautiful reflection on time. And so you're wondering, okay, where is he? What's the punchline here? His writing is very beautiful, so you stay with it, even though you are like, "Well, what's you know, where is this going?" And then he hits the point where he says, "Okay, well, I got this phone call that totally shattered my day," and then the story goes on. But yes, you're right; it's really his reflection on all kinds of things as he goes on this journey. And yeah. so, in that way, it reminds me a lot of Ted "Open City," you know, another you know story about a man who just thinks that. <laughs> They, they have all these, they are so brilliant that we can spend an, an entire book listening to what they are thinking yeah, yeah. about all yeah, kinds of things. Yeah, it's
0: hyper-intellectualizing, hyper-intellectualizing, and, uh, and while I do, I think, I loved Open City for whatever uh, mm-hmm. it's worth, for whatever the controversies, I mean, uh, I also do love like Proustian prose, I, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. a fan of like the Knausgard, who they say is the new proust, you know because he has these volumes and volumes on just like daily life mm-hmm. um i think uh i think at the end of the day Anuk aruda pragasam uh i think the i think the attempt is there to create a kind of heavy existential philosophical yes. Yes. novel and i support the the gesture uh, but i don't think it fully lands you know it's like um uh, it's very intense. It it doesn't want to have paragraphs, for example. Yes, yes It's yeah, allergic yes. to paragraphs. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it it wants to uh, it wants to create a claustrophobic environment, and you have to give into it. And I'm willing to give in to it, but I think uh, it doesn't fully land. It yes. Didn't fully land for me, and that was personally I felt a bit uh, sad because I do think that the uh, you know Sri Lankan tradition in Anglophone novel is very rich and
1: written. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, um. Yeah for a story that is not heavy on plot it gets you it hooks you because you know he just has this way of processing and thinking through his universe that that i found immersive and lovely yeah Um, so
0: gal okay yeah Yeah. Um, I, i think it's i think it's excellent writing out of all of them seriously Yes, okay. it's, All it's, right. It's, Let me hear it's, you. It's, out. it's dry. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of narrative experimentation, which mm-hmm. makes you smile, makes you surprise. He's playing a lot of tricks with the reader. Uh, you know, um, and I think the idea of the, of the deaths and like the different deaths in this family, and then uh, the idea that each moment is different within South African political history is interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it compresses, uh, the sort of, uh, lost mourning characters, etc., uh, quite well. Uh, yes. Is it a, is it a, is it a white Africans man centering white Africans problem? Oh no. Why am I so racist for me, for me, help me. And why, you know, so, so the characters are like working through their issues, you know, and it, um, it's it's unfortunate because we have seen that. We know the master of that fiction is yes. Kotsia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, these Africans writer. And uh, I do think Damon Galgut has a strong chance of winning. Uh, and uh, it's unfortunate, but this is the kind of South African uh, prose that constantly is uh, demanded, published, uh, yeah. amplified. Yeah. yeah. So I the mean- themes I'm not into, but the writing, yes. Is- I, okay, so I,
1: I I, had issues with the book. I'm just going to be honest. Um, I think, to start with, let me just tell you what it's about. It's actually a, a very fascinating premise. A woman is dying and she asks her husband to promise to give their black maid
0: mm-hmm.
1: her house and the plot of land where it's on. Okay? She's not asking him to give her their family house is the little plot that the black maid um occupies with her family and the man tells his wife i will do that so that's what the promise is the only witness to this promise after the woman dies is this 13 year old girl called amor so she out of this kind of just really i don't know sensitive soul she insists that the family holds themselves to that promise but yeah. as the year goes by they refuse to and there are a series of tragedies that happen to the family so it's, it's almost as if they are cursed because they refuse to give the black maid that house all of that is well and good and is this really searing um, exploration of racism in South Africa over time from the end of apartheid up until Umbeki, right um and so Baxi is, is right that it's powerful in those ways. My issue is the reductive representation of black people in this book, okay? And, and, and I don't know, as a black person, it was hard to read their, their representation of Salome, the black maid, is that she never wants she commands any perspective. She's always been described. You know, her, her, my, my favorite is her inscrutable back. You know, in this kind of very bodily-centered description where she acts, she's just like a wallpaper, you know? And I, I find that problematic. I think that if you're going to dissect white racism, you cannot do it at the cost of reducing the black lives in that story. When you do that, you're essentially reproducing the very structure that you're trying to critique. The best way to critique racism is to make sure that you humanize black people within storytelling. So Gal got to me missed a huge opportunity by not allowing Salome to actually tell her story or allowing her to take up space in the book in a way that is human. I would say that's the huge issue I have with the book. Everything that said about the writing and everything. Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Hey esther Esther Irma from Ghana is waving at us hey uh no i agree, I agree with you, but I think uh, the only thing I would add, which is so so cynical, is that uh it's invested in that yeah, in that insular africans uh thing you yeah. know and uh it's also the kozia problem you know uh I have had the privilege to spend eight days with Kuzia in Palestine. <laughs> <laughs> at the palestine festival of literature and it is this opacity and the not committing to a particular politics uh it, you know on some level that's uh that creates this kind of uh master master writer and it's of course it's a very masculine uh, approach too uh, damon galgood is a, <laughs> yeah. a gay man uh you know i think uh, yeah i think the writing is 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 brilliant uh but it's also within the tradition of this white south african Thing. So, I feel all the things you're saying uh, are absolutely true, but they're never going to take that edit. You know what I mean? Right, That's right. never going to be because what drives this writing is that, oh no, poor me, I can't represent uh, the, the black character. Right. Uh, because, uh, you know, look at the alia- historical alienation we have experienced. Oh, I have no room to think it, I can only be an existential, woe. I wish I wasn't racist, you know, yeah. so there's something like that. But let's get to uh, the, uh, the one yes. I, I want her to win, obviously. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> for, for personal reasons, I know her, I, I love her work, I've always taught her work. And uh, of course, uh, because it's so urgent, I would put it in the humorless category. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, It's very heavy uh, uh, not in a, not in a bad way, but it, it, it's, it has some kind of one note element that also, uh, a Rook, a Rook's novel has. Um, but of course it's, it's, you know, it's like, here's a novel offering a corrective on, uh, on a systemic injustice, a man that yes. was wrong, hanged wrongly, uh, in, in Wales. Um, so yeah, so I think, of course I, I I want this one to win. I'm a little I do think that if she wins it is going to be an underdog win, uh because I don't know what happened, but her book is not out in the US. Uh it's coming you know,
1: out next year.
0: Which yeah, I think exactly. is it's odd. Like the book is happening, it should be available. People should be able
1: to buy it now.
0: Yeah, and what yeah. that messes up is review circuits. So there are not reviews in the US and things like yeah. that. So, you know, so at that so that kind of uh, is another thing, and uh, that that is sl- slightly upsetting about it. So I think at the end of the day, it would be uh, an, undergra- uh, an underdog kind of uh, yeah. win, you know? Um, yeah, go ahead. You tell me what you think I
1: liked it. it. I think that you're absolutely right that it's heavy-handed, that there is a kind of heavy-handedness about the, um, not the writing, actually. No. You know, I the think that, yes, about the topic, the writing is, um, is beautiful in the way that certain kind of historical fiction can be, where you essentially, on earth, excavate a world and you stick the reader into it. I love that about it. There's a kind of just 3D feel about the way she represents Tiger Bay. Um, and, 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 you know, the story is, of course, about a man called Mahmoud Matan, a Somali sailor, who was wrongfully accused for killing a shopkeeper, a white woman, and he was hanged for it. Um, But but something that struck me is the way that she uses our perspective on systemic racism Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to inform Matan's life and the miscarriage of justice that happens, right? And um, there's something anachronistic about it but I thought it's brilliant, right? She essentially layers on 2020 on 1952. And so you can really see what exactly went wrong with Matan's court case, right? Is that it was pure systemic, you know. um, um,
0: They didn't even care, yeah. You know, yeah, and
1: so in some ways, it's very much relevant to our day and the conversations that we are having about race and and black male bodies and violence you know that i i thought is fantastic you know that kind of historical work that can just give you a perspective on the current moment Her work does it beautifully
0: yeah i agree that's uh that's absolutely absolutely correct and i think uh you know the other thing i would quickly add is that i know uh we all uh, study or work within the kind of broad continental framework of African literature, but I really want a win for East Africa. I want more wins for East Africa. Yes. I love that uh, Abdul Reza garna uh, mm-hmm. won the prize. And one of the things I love about it is that uh, this writing is very, very much from a Muslim perspective yes but oh yeah. <laughs> writing. and even though i wouldn't say that's how natifa is constructing this particular novel i know she comes out of that or you know yeah. we know that she comes that's out black wow. Boy certainly comes out of that uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: particular perspective and i uh, i know we talk about diversity and we always end up in race but i think like uh islamic uh, you know, writers who are writing within a kind of certain Islamic framework or Muslim frameworks or about Muslim lives uh, mm-hmm. are are often not getting their time in the sun. And it was great that Gurna did, though, of course, that's yes. not what the Nobel said. They were, doing. <laughs> right. they were doing something else. They, were, they wanted, they were thinking about something else. But for me, that's the inadvertent uh, profit of that. You yeah, know, that's we should profit from. Um, so I would like that as well, in this case. Um, you know, I was right. I, I was I, I accurately predicted. Of course, I don't know. I was not on social media. Marlon James's win, but I had done a panel with him on the history of uh, seven uh-huh. killings and him and Nadifa actually at the Brooklyn Book Festival. And I was like, uh, and then as soon as it was long listed I was like, he's going to win it. And he did. Uh, but my prediction last year didn't So out. Uh, so,
1: do you, based on, you know, um, Bhakti's um, crystal ball of, you know, Booker Prize crystal ball, who Bhakti is going to win?
0: Ah, oh, I just think my psychic powers are diminished because uh, Nadifa is a friend and I want so much for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that she has a very, very high chance, uh, but I think it might be Damon Galgut.
1: <laughs> you think it might be Galgut? I think, I think my, um, my psychic powers is telling me that it's going to be sheep's dead. Uh, they love the third book yeah i also I, I mean i want um Good. I want Adifa to win, you know, just because I think it'll be a nice cup of an extraordinary totally. book for African literature, like I would literally lose yeah a, you know just from pure joy if she wins but 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 i just I, I have this sense that um that the book might go for this kind of very um big book very big book American story that has a mix of every everything in it you know like drama fun but also feminism a kind of historical depiction of a moment you know um, you know so I don't know in a yeah. certain kind of western narrative of itself
0: all son might... on Chigose
1: <laughs> I know I know like Chigose mm. <laughs> Chigose don't, don't fall out hand
0: <laughs> Right, you know, exactly, yeah.
1: yeah. But we know it's it's more complicated than that, of
0: course. Yeah, well, either way, it's, it was fun to read them, you know. It was, uh, it was, and the, yeah. And the, and the great circle, I'm going to uh finish. Um, yeah, I'm definitely
1: going to finish that. Yeah, and I mean, thank you for initiating this because I got to sit down and read the shortlist, which you know, I typically don't, don't do like this I time don't. of the year, I am so busy. But 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 it's so fun, and and I think that you know next year we should do it again.
0: Make it a tradition. We, we should, should make totally it make it a
1: tradition.